With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blanket double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail Cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great. The starting pistol of the uh, Premier League season just went off. We watched the Community Shield. We have a lot to talk about, so uh, I won't linger. We'll we'll come back to the Community Shield in a minute, but (laughs) Josh, what do we have going on in this uh, Game Week 1 preview pod? All right, very brief running order for the podcast. You and I finally reveal our bus teams. If we get hit by a bus in the middle of this recording, if we get hit by a bus tomorrow, if we get hit by a bus in any scenario, lots of, Brandon, I can think of a million different ways that I personally would get hit by a bus. I hope it doesn't Uh, happen, but I can see how it could. Living in New York City, this town is like a Rude Goldberg machine (laughs) designed to kill pedestrians. (laughs) So uh, it is highly plausible we get hit by a bus. So if we get hit by a bus, we've got our teams ready to go. We're going to reveal them in a moment. Uh, If we're in a coma for the rest of the season, I I think I can roll with this with this Game Week 1 team. Uh, We're going to get into the unanswered questions going into Game Week 1. There's questions about defenders, questions about Nabikita, questions about lots of different players. Uh, It's only one Nabikita question. It's really it's right at the end, so don't. I'm know, shocked. We'll, we'll tease that. Yeah, like might be an hour and forty minutes in before we finally get to that Nabi Kita question, but we will get to it, Brandon. Okay. Uh, and then we are going to preview game week one as well. I love the idea of the unanswered questions because despite us doing multiple season previews over the last few weeks, it's like as soon as a, the, a preview pod goes up, it's it's almost made irrelevant based on transfer <laughs> news, preseason right. friendly results, lineup, so on and so yeah, forth. So sh- don't tell anybody. 
<laughs> no, but this, this this episode will be different. This episode will be different. Nothing yeah. nothing will go out of date with with this episode. But we we should address the elephant in the room, which is wow. What was that? Was that new? Always cheating theme music. I think it was. Yeah, we have to thank our good friend Zach Curd for uh, he supplies all of our podcast music. He he did our previous tune, which which we know and love. And Zach volunteered to give us a little refresh for the new season. Can't encourage you enough to check out his actual music that's not FPL related. Just go to zachcurd.bandcamp.com and that's Zach, Z-A-C-H-C-U-R-D.bandcamp.com and listen to his cool recent album called Prudence, which is very uh, lovely. The fact that you, the fact that you said cool, though, makes it sound immediately uncool. You have, you've, <laughs> yeah. you've immediately undercut how cool this album might be by calling it cool. Should it's like, your, it's it, like uh, when your mom says you're handsome, you know, it just doesn't really, <laughs> doesn't really it's work. a very nice album. And I think you should listen to it at a very moderate level of volume. <laughs> so before we get into uh, our, our bus teams, um, you know, we just watched the community shield. I feel like we have to comment on it at least at least for, you know, 90 seconds. Uh, did it change the way you thought about either team? Have you, you know, are you going to change your team at all? Is it you know, was, did it rock you in any way? <laughs> I, I think the one thing I've been uh, circling around has been Chelsea defense with my bus team. And the Community Shield said it's okay to hold off on Chelsea defense and Chelsea altogether. It's it's less that City came out a winner from the Community Shield. Chelsea clearly came out a loser. And I understand they're learning a new system. They've got a new manager and they've got... Um, players coming and going, perhaps. Who, who even knows how the saga with Eden Hazard is going to end? Um, but they're out of sorts, and I, I don't think that we can trust them heading into game week one. Yeah, I feel similarly. I mean, I certainly was thinking about Pedro the way some people were. Um, uh, Fabregas, uh, you know, there are a lot of different names that were getting, getting sort of thrown around uh, for Chelsea. I mean, a lot of it is, um, a lot of people are, you know, I think most people know that this is going to be a short-term solution you know in terms of what chelsea players you want to bring in i I think that by game week three four maybe a little bit later than that um everyone will be back from the world cup will know um you know we'll know whether hazard and william are still with the team and william played so um that that is encouraging for him staying with the squad um and in fact if he played in this match uh, or because he played in this match i think that he is maybe one of the best options now uh, for that Chelsea team. He's not that expensive, um, probably, yeah. you know, guaranteed starter. So, um, but, you know, Hazard's not back. We'll see if he leaves. Um, you know, Coutois, his agent was just, you know, really pushing for a transfer. Um, that, that was the news that was that was out this morning. So sounds like Coutois probably going to leave. And uh, that's going to set so, a whole bunch of wheels in motion. Yeah. And if they stick with Caballero, he is, a, it was an interesting battle of keepers in the Community Shield. And it was the battle of uh, mistake-prone keepers who can't really make saves. Caballero behind the Chelsea defense, if that's going to be the the setup in the near future, that's another reason to back off of Chelsea defense. Yeah. I think Pedro looked decent enough. There was a lot of him with the ball looking up and throwing his hands up like, where is everyone? Somebody show for the ball. Weirdly, I think the thing that rocked me the most was on Chelsea. Ross Barkley was one of the more appealing attacking players. Yeah, I hope you bring him in, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope right, you I, do. I, I, he will not be touching my team. Yeah, I, I quickly uh, about City, the conversation on our Slack channel was basically, uh, did we actually learn anything about City? Yes, from this match. Of course, they're good. 
Mm -hmm. um, Aguero, maybe the biggest thing we learned is that Aguero sure, is a must-have pick, uh, right? The, the, something close to it. I mean, I, you know, I feel like, you know, he was in my team even before this because I don't know that I trust any of their midfield right now. Yeah, yeah, ditto, uh, same. Yeah, so I, and I feel like you need some city coverage given how good their fixtures are. So I think the it feels like the the recent trend is maybe two city defenders, possibly Ederson and someone like Mendy, um, and then and then someone someone else, right? Someone in the midfield or Aguero. Um, mm -hmm. And Aguero looked like he was in midseason. I couldn't believe how good he looked. Um, yeah, he looked sensational. Yeah. Mares was seeing so much of the ball, but uh, he was he chances. Had this yeah, there was an Anthony Narkart thing about him where he was trying really hard. I mean, he right. he he did look he was playing some really nice balls and some back heels and all this sort of thing. The the finishing touch was rarely there for him. Right. And the fact that Sané came off the pitch really early because of a knock was disappointing. It just threw up more questions. Bernardo Silva uh, was the best looking midfielder to my yeah. eye. And so, Silva who really came on late um in the second half of last season um, definitely an interesting option. Uh, played pretty well for Portugal too in the in the World Cup. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, Bernardo Silva. I don't know. It's just the, the problem with Silva is would it shock you if he just didn't start in game week one? Um, no. You know, it wouldn't shock me if he started game week one and didn't start in game week two. Um, I just don't really want to start my season with a player who I don't even feel confident is going to start the first match. Yeah. Right, right. The the feeling is let's just wait, and once our wild cards get triggered at some point down the line, we can consider bringing Kevin De Bruyne in, who will be right as he was last season, really the one sure thing in that midfield. Yeah, he's, he was excellent last season, and he's dropped by 0.5 million. You know, you can have him for 10 million now, which is really a very reasonable price given, yeah, you know, that he's on like you know many many set pieces, and uh, you know just you know he's going to get double digit assists, you know, in the season yeah, for sure. Right. So yeah. Yep. So yeah, I think uh, I think we both have the um, the standard takeaways. I mean, I thought the defense looked pretty good. Um, you know, Mendy got through it without a without a scrape. So that's 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 a good sign. Yeah. So I was asking a lot of questions this past week of how did Mendy make it into so many uh, preseason FPL drafts because he saw very little playing time due to injury last season, and when he came back from injury. He looked a little strange on the ball to me. Didn't really see any minutes in the World Cup. And uh, here he is just popping up in so many preseason drafts. I thought he looked pretty. I mean, yeah, of course, he looked he looked good. Uh, he saw a lot of the ball. He was like a tank running down that left hand side. So I'm kind of coming around to the Mendy idea. And the other fact being is that every single other defender in the Man City team got rotated into the community shield. <laughs> right. Laporte, Stones, Company, Odomende all uh, got playing time. So it's like, yeah. what? what is going on? What, what's the lineup? <laughs> Didn't Stones get – Stones got subbed – it was like it, there were four minutes of extra time, and in the ninety fourth minute with ninety four thirty six or something like that, he finally got he got subbed out, and it was like well a, after he got pushed the up sub in happened, the midfield but, for yeah. for some <laughs> from some oddity, yeah, yeah. So I think um, yeah, the, the only issue with Mendy it's not really an issue, but you know, there's probably a decent chance that he he doesn't play you know four matches in a row. So I would not. I wouldn't necessarily bring Mendy in if I didn't have – like if I'm going to bring Mendy in, which I probably will actually, um, I want to make sure I have at least a plain defender on my bench. You know, yeah. I don't want to have like a really – like a, a extremely strong starting 11 and no bunch players because it's a decent chance that I'm going to need one of those bench players to come in for Mendy when he doesn't play a match. You need to know that you've got Juan Basicas coming in. 
uh, <laughs> exactly. at the drop of a hat. Yeah, <laughs> 4 million legend. Uh, Brandon, uh, we had our draft last night, uh, and I, I don't think we need to get into it really on this podcast, other than to mention that we have a uh, we recorded a Patreon podcast during the draft. So um, we haven't released that yet, and it's going to be possibly the worst podcast we've ever <laughs> put out to people. Yeah, if if anyone if it doesn't come across on the usual pod, Josh can get rather stressed out in very <laughs> in situations like a live. FPL My attention draft. is split a little bit, <laughs> but yeah, this is a draft we put together for our high level Volkswagen and producer level Patreons. It was really fun. Look out for that on the Patreon page. Uh, but in other league news, a league that is our biggest, our brightest, and it is free to play, just join the Always Cheating Super League. That's the official Always Cheating Podcast mini league on the FPL site. There's a link in the show notes here. You can find a link uh, on our website, all of our social media Twitter, handles, Facebook, and, yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah. So do join the Super League. We're now up over 2,600 managers and growing. And just because we were talking about Patreon a moment ago, Brandon, just a note uh, to join. If you want to be part of uh, our our leagues, our head-to-head league, uh, make sure you join before uh, Game Week 1 takes place. I rolled out a bunch of new features for the season. Um, If you join, you get access to uh, Slack. Um, We have a trash talk tier where you can just talk trash about anyone in your mini league or i guess any player right if you want to just talk about how much you hate ross barkley maybe that's how i'll it's, use my trash talk this year it's a free soapbox it's you can say <laughs> whatever you want yeah exactly we, we do we do have license to edit though uh, we have we have final say that's right we can't commit high treason i think that was the one thing we <laughs> one, the one thing we threw in there uh but we have yeah it says private leagues we have a survivor league we're launching in a couple of weeks we're gonna not we don't we're not, we don't want to launch the fire leagues too soon because um i just think there's too much going on and i actually think it's nice to launch the Survivor League a few weeks into the season where you can kind of like take a breath. Maybe it's the first international break, you know, and you're not like so focused on getting your FPL squad in order. Uh, yeah, by the time have, our FPL teams have felt fallen apart, that'll give us something to look forward to. Yeah, exa- yeah. It'll be like a nice little like change of pace. Um, and we also have t-shirts and uh, buttons and lots of other stuff too. So uh, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. And Brennan, you want to thank our new patrons since the last podcast? Yeah, new- Yep. New patrons at the producer level, we have Martin Savage and Rick Brailsford. And at the uh, Sorloth level tier, the Lord Sorloth tier, it's Thomas Hansen, Carlo Prusino, Dave Aston, Preben Young, Tyler Ogilvy, and Kevin Ryan. At the Embakani tier, thank you to Troy Oder, Gravil uh, Kubitev, Jack Beadle, Guy Pilatus, Craig Primus, Rich Evans, Matt Seward, and Lucy Martin. Thanks to all our Patreon subscribers. Yeah, thank you to all our Patreon subscribers. Brandon, we have a uh, question here. It comes from M. Bison 22 He's been asking us this every week, basically since the game rolled out. He says, where is that bus team? Brandon, let's finally reveal our bus team's Let's start from okay. the back. All right. Let's go with goal. We'll go. I'll go. And then you go. We'll do goalkeepers, okay. defenders, midfield. We're going all the way up to the forwards. All right. Gotcha. All right. You go first. All right. So my bus team. Goal. All right. And this is, you know, subject to change, uh, possibly in the middle of this podcast. I may tinker <laughs> don't, during don't the Don't at us. <laughs> don't at us. Uh, I've got Ederson in goal and I have Hamer as my backup keeper. Uh, so I, I uh, where you stuck, I twisted. I have Ederson and goal and backup. I have Will Norris, who's the backup keeper at Wolverhampton. And ah. yeah, gone for the, the 4.0 there as well. All right. So in defense, I have Ben Mendy, Andy Robertson, David Louise, 
you know, Louise is, I'm looking at my, like, like the, the pitch view right now, you know, on the screen, uh, mm-hmm. Louise, I feel like maybe that's going to change. I mean, I, they aren't playing Huddersfield away and I feel pretty solid about Louise starting, but, um, God, it is hard to have a lot of faith in that defense. Right? It's also very sad to see Marcus Alonso totally neutered, right? Like yeah. if we need like a free Alonso like slogan, like we need, we need to get him on a squad where he can be himself again. I do not understand the point of Marcus Alonso if he actually has to play defense. <laughs> it's, it's just it's just sad. It's it just it neuters his, <laughs> his greatest strength. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my my bench defenders, I've got uh, Juan Bissica, uh, four million legend, and then uh, I got Matt Doherty as my uh, fifth defender. Uh, that's okay. The and deep Wolverhampton uh, defender. Gotcha. Okay. For me in defense, it's Michael Keane. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will discuss this a, a, a little bit more, Everton defense. Andy Robertson as well. I've gone for James Tompkins in Crystal Palace. And uh, going big with the, with the Greeks, with uh, Socrates, mm-hmm. uh, I'm feeling very good about Arsenal right now, despite their opening two fixtures being uh, particularly uh, that Man City fixture in game week one are kind of dicey, but I like him for a long-term pick. And then you can't have an FPL lineup for game week one without Juan Basica. So you really, there you really can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I have uh, the double palace defense, Brandon. That's, that's strong. Coming yeah. So I guess uh, my logic there with the double palace is James Tompkins is uh, appears to be a lock. He has decent goal scoring record. Juan Basica, people are saying that he should be uh, definitely in the starting lineup going into game week one. Started every every preseason match, I think. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to be doubled up there, but this is more of just sort of trying to cover value. He will be the highest owned 4.0 player in the game. Right. And uh, will I will I play both of them at the same time? It seems unlikely. Yeah. Um, all right. So I have my, my midfield here is a little different than some of the midfields I've seen, I think. Um, uh, well, I've got Mo Salah, right? We all have Mo Salah. There's a question about what we're going to do about Mo Salah that uh, I actually didn't even put in the running order because the answer is that we're both going to have Mo Salah. I can pretty much guarantee it. Uh, can you go into the season, just while we're talking about Salah, can you go into the season without Salah? I mean... No, I don't think you can. Yeah. I, I mean, yes, of course you can. Sure. There are, there are ways to try and figure it out and and game it. But no, I, I think legitimately you're going to lose ground. Yeah. If, it's just, if, Sal, if Salah goes according to plan, you will lose ground. And that's a fact. It just it gets to like what the what the fantasy game is like. It is not it is not a draft game. You know, a draft game, you have everyone has their own people. Um, there's no overlap. You either have Salah or you don't. Um, this is a different type of game. And the, the the way to win this game is not to be completely different. You know, you have to have some popular picks in your team. And when that player gets over 50% ownership, which is, you know, I think Salah is, where is he right now? He's at um, 51.5%. Um, it's got to be the highest anyone's been owned going into a season, right? I, I think that's probably going to go even higher, too, as new teams. Yeah, um, right. You know, we're at two, 2.5 million managers as of the recording of this podcast. We'll probably get up to, I guess we get closer to four by the time the season starts. Um, yeah. And then we'll probably, you know, we'll be closer to five or six by, by midseason. Um, so I think when you get above 51%, it's, it's just a you have to play a little defense to, to be successful. And you, I mean, I think it's, you could bring him in and not captain him. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's reasonable, but yep. uh, you know, but to not have him in your squad at all, I feel like just, it just feels like a mistake. 
Yep. I think that's where you'll get ahead. That's where you'll beat the Sala owners is you also own Sala, but you know when to not captain him, if right. ever. Right. And you know when to move Sala into somebody like De Bruyne or uh, right. Raheem Sterling if we get to that point in the season. Yeah. And that's where the game will be won or lost. I think you just have to start with him to cover yourself. So I have Salah, I have Pascal Gross, uh, I have Richarlison, I have Ruben Neves, and I have Morgan Schneiderlin. Now, that 4.5 billion spot, which is where Schneiderlin is right now, that that is subject to change. I'm still sort of tinkering around with that a little bit. I don't I don't love any of the options. I know that um, you know, Dale Stevens is getting kicked around as an option. I, I had Dale Stevens for a big chunk of last season. I mean, the guy you know, I mean, you, all you're getting is two points from him. I feel like I might want to take a little more of a risk. Um, and I think Schneiderlin at least has a little bit more potential um, yeah. just based on prior performance, um, going back a few years now. But still, a uh, new system might, might open things up a little bit. Um, the So, the you know, the Pascal Gross thing I have slowly talked myself into. I mean, Richarlison is pretty template. A lot of people have Richarlison right now. Pascal Gross, you know, part of it was talking to FPL Stag. Part of it was um, just, you know, uh, Jaunty had posted something on on Twitter. I mean, the guy is basically like a Christian Erickson, like he's like Christian Erickson light, you know, and it feels like he's scoring a little more in the, you know, it's preseason, to, you know, for sure. But it feels like he's maybe a little more involved in the attack now. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just think at seven, 7 million, like made my eyes water a little bit, but I'm sort of talking myself into him <laughs> as like a cheaper, as a cheaper version of, of Christian Eriksen. Okay. Um, yeah. Ruben Neves, that feels like a little trendy to me, but I'm sort of, if he is on penalties, which it looks like he is, um, 5 million, I, I think that might be a decent way into that Wolverhampton attack. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then Schneiderlin, yeah. as I mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a, kind of a whatever pick. Yeah, the 4.5 is a tricky one to pick for because, yeah, I have Dale Stevens. So just to jump into to yep, my midfield, I do have Dale Stevens. Certainly, I agree. He's like the uh, carnival game that it is is at every carnival, but nobody enjoys playing it. So <laughs> there he is. Uh, he'll he'll be riding the bench. Tom Carney at 5.0. Mm-hmm. As a Fulham fan, it kind of feels fun to actually be able yeah. to have a Fulham player in there. And he feels should be like- pushing... F- feels like Carney or Neves, right? It's like one of those two. Yeah, we have a question talking about cheap mids and, and possible 4.5 versus 5.0. I think we can get into a few other options that aren't Carney, Schneiderlin, or Stevens. But yeah, he, he is rising to the top because he is among that price bracket. He's among the more attacking players. He will score goals. Uh, then I do have Richarlison, and I have Mo Salah, and my, my big attacking punt is Mesut Ozil. Okay. Uh, Interesting. So uh, somehow I've ta- talked myself into being yeah. really big on Arsenal this season, and uh, Mesut Ozil is just rounding that out. 8.0, um, a lot of people have remarked, or I'm sorry, 8.5 is his price tag, that it feels like we've finally gotten to a good meeting point with what Ozil will, will contribute FPL wise to what you're paying for him. And uh, after that, uh, Leicester League title winning season where Ozil was flying as an FPL asset. He's been disappointing. And I think he's set up with a new manager, uh, new players around him, and uh, it, it, it could be time. Yeah, I like – this is sort of like you having KDB last year. I know you like a, a consistent – maybe someone you, – you're willing to sacrifice goals for consistent – like you know assist returns right and like in bonus point yeah. returns things like that yeah and 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 uh consistent in in that regard but also consistently on the ball or right. whether he's taking free kicks 
delivering corners um, and or just bringing the ball forward. I, I do like and he when he is on song, that's bonus points as well yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. And Richarlison is a player who I, I thought you were kind of not feeling like what, what what's what's turned you around in Richarlison. What's turned me around on Richarlison is, and I still don't think I'm completely happy with my midfield at, at this point, but Sala and Ozil were my heavy hitters next to Stevens and Carney. Prior to Richarlison, I had moved some money around to free up money for Richarlison. I had Gundogan before that. It's like Gundogan is not a lock for a start. And also, where are the goals coming from in my midfield? If if I'm looking at Ozil for consistent returns, it's still not going to be consistent goal-scoring returns. Right. So I turned to Richarlison. The price was right for a goal-scoring midfielder, and that really did turn me around and how I feel about him. I, I, I needed more goals in the midfield. I hope they come here. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Uh, forward line. I have, uh, I have, okay. I'm, I'm a little annoyed about my forward line cause it feels very trendy now, even though I picked this forward line like four days ago and I haven't changed it. Uh, but two of the players have scored four goals in the last two days. So I think it's going to become a lot more popular. Um, I have, um, Aguero and actually that's one, the other one also scored. Um, I have Aguero, Aubameyang and Josh King as my, um, as my three forwards. So it's a slightly more forward, forward focused, uh, line that I've seen a lot of people have. I know that, um, the sort of within the community, you know, if you're looking, you know, if you're on, you know, Reddit or, um, Twitter, et cetera, um, even the, there's a rate my team thread on our Slack. And I feel like I'm seeing a lot more defensive, uh, Focus and I guess I I am focused on my defense this year, but I, the mid so, somewhere had to get squeezed, and I guess I've decided to squeeze the midfield instead of the forward line. Um, I had a more I had a stronger midfield before, um, and it just felt a little like it was like I I had a moment where I sort of like looked at it from ten thousand feet, you know, and mm-hmm. I just was like I, this doesn't feel strong enough to me, and I I felt like I, I was missing. I was missing some Man City, like like some consistent Man City attack. And um, so I, I shifted things around. I dropped a Man City midfielder and I brought in Aguero. Um, and Aubameyang, I actually, I kind of want to go Lacazette in that spot, but mm-hmm. um, I'm just a little worried about him starting um, because it does feel like there's competition for those front, front three spots. Um, and so then, and then Josh King, I just, I just like him as a value option. I mean, he's, he's been a goal scorer machine in the preseason, ended last season really well. He's only 6.5 million and Bournemouth have good fixtures. So, Ah, that was yeah, Cardiff there. at home in game week one. That's right. probably the, the the most appealing fixture of of them all. Yeah, and then West Ham and Everton in the next two weeks. Yeah, I I really do like Josh King. I have the exact same front lineup as you with Aguero and Aubameyang. Save, uh, I did not have money. I do not have Josh King level money. Josh, <laughs> yeah, I only have Bobby Reed money. Bobby so Reed, like like you. Uh, uh, if anyone in this uh, fifteen man squad is on the bubble, it's Aubameyang. And that seems crazy because he's probably the player here I'm most excited about. But in terms of value for team, I think you you can look at it in a Liverpool sense, right? In the, the, the attacking points could be spread around quite a bit at Arsenal like they are at Liverpool. Yeah. Is it going to be Salah to Firmino, Firmino to Salah, Mane's in the mix, so on and so forth. Aubameyang... At 11 million, it's like just at the top yeah. point at which I'm willing to pay for him. And to move him to a 9.5 or like Firmino or Lacazette would allow me to turn Bobby Reed into Arnautovic. And if I feel like I'm missing anyone, West Ham's fixtures are pretty diabolical yeah. to start. But I am very excited to see what Arnie does under Pellegrini 
this season, even with bad fixtures. You could even – I think you can make the point that Arnie is somewhat fixture-proof um, given yeah. how much West Ham have really pushed to buy in the attack and in the attacking midfield slots. Yeah, there, there's a chart that I shared on Twitter a couple nights ago. It was uh, it was combined XG and XA, so expected goals and expected assists, um, last season for players in the non-top six sides. Uh, and mm-hmm. the, the, the overall leader in that category was um, – uh, was um, uh, Arnatovich, and I, I think I think Richarlison was right up there as well. Uh, but Arnatovich was was the one who was you know the most attacking player uh, in yeah. any non top six side last year. So, um, or at least in terms of attacking, you know, um, expected returns. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I you know if you know if, if the manager came out if Arsenal's you know if um, what's the Arsenal's manager? Emery. Thank you. If, <laughs> Emery, if, Emery, if Unai, yeah. Unai Emery, I just did a blank there. If Unai Emery uh, came out and said, this is my lineup going into game week one and Lacazette was in that lineup, I think I would just make the move from Aubameyang to Lacazette. It's 1.5 yeah. million. That turns Ruben Neves into Jota or some other 6.5 million midfielder. Or I can upgrade Pascal Gross, uh, possibly up to like Mares, you know, if I tinker with things a little bit. So, it is very, you know, or maybe not Mares, I don't know, but somebody like like a, like a more premium defender, you know, maybe even like Erickson if I could get up that far. Um, but I just feel like not knowing if Lacazette's going to start, I just don't feel that confident having in my squad. I, I don't know. I mean, it just, you know, I, I just hate starting off the season with with players who are yeah. are starting doubts. I mean, you know, last season you had that you had what two two people in your team who didn't start in game week one. Yeah, it was Ryan Fraser and Alex Awobi uh, were both. Um, I think it was Ryan Frazier. I can't remember I if Frazier didn't, didn't start or if he was just miserable to start the season. But, yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he didn't. And, um, yeah, it's caused me to be a little more cautious this going into this game week one. I'm trying to judge Aubameyang. Is, is he somebody I'm, somebody I'm bringing in out of fear or because I'm just genuinely excited to play him? Yeah. Because if it was less out of fear – I think I, it would be easier for me to move him to Firmino. He is a time. he's a genuinely exciting player. Yeah, the Firmino thing. I mean, I just don't feel like Firmino is going to start game week one. Um, you know, I mean, Sturridge has been playing dynamite in the preseason. I, I wonder if Sturridge gets a chance to prove himself and put himself in the uh, already putting him yeah. in the January transfer I st- window. As I was just going to say, I still wonder if he's in the shop window. I wonder if he's going to move before for the deadline. I mean, what's, what makes this really interesting is that, you know, the dead, the transfer deadline does come on it's Thursday, right? I think it's like end of day Thursday. So, mm-hmm. um, so we are going to know exactly who is, you know, in everybody's like in, you know, every team squad, you know, at least through December, uh, before the season starts, which is such a great change. I mean, like, you know, like in previous seasons, you kind of had to, you know, you'd wild card around game week three or four, and then there'd be all these newly acquired transfer deadline players. And you'd be like, well, I don't know, like, do I take a risk on so-and-so, you know, some player who's like joining from La Liga or something? And you're like, well, I think he's going to start off the bat and I'm on my wild card. So I kind of want to take the chance, but it was always very risky and and kind of uh, annoying. So uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about having it all settled before the season actually starts. Yeah, for sure. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, how good are you feeling about this bus team? It's like an eight. I mean, I look at the midfield and I, I, I don't love it. Um, and it's, you know, the question is, do I dislike it enough to, to, to mix, like to mess with my forward line? Because I, I do feel pretty yeah. committed to a strong defense this year. Um, I think that, uh, just, you know, I've just, I've been trying to, 
I'm trying to open my eyes a little bit. I, I feel like I've neglected defense in year, in the last couple of years, and I feel like it's really come back to haunt me. So, you know, one goal I set for myself coming into the season was to be a little more, to, to remember to mind my defense a little bit and not disregard it the way I normally do, you know, in favor of more attacking returns. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's one thing I'm considering. Um, you know, I, I see this double... This, this double city defense away to Arsenal game week one, and that doesn't necessarily feel like I'm maximizing points there. So, yeah. uh, you know, what that's is just, it, what just is one it about the double city defense? I mean, the city defense is, I mean, I guess we're backing them pretty substantially because we both had Ederson and goal, and the only reason to bring in a premium goalkeeper is to really back the clean sheets. But to double up um, on a team that is so attacking. It just well, seems out of fear for the midfield rotation. You know, it, you know, looked at in a vacuum, though. I just, I really like Mendy as a six million defender, as a you know, as a defender who can get me points, and I like the idea of a set and forget keeper. And I don't want to spend six million on De Gea, and I don't necessarily. Okay, so one thing that could change, um, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. There's a question that we got that um, that I'm gonna bump up to this to this 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 discussion um, oh, congratulations because, to this listener <laughs> yeah uh, i just gotta find it here um the question comes from adam p on the slack he says is there a realistic transfer before the end of the window that would make you want to immediately put that player into your team and the one that stands out to me is um is casper schmeichel to um yeah. to chelsea if if couture leaves as as we now think is going to happen or it seems likely anyway Mm-hmm. Um, unless unless Chelsea really put their foot down, uh, if Coutinho leaves, then it seems possible, if not likely, that Schmeichel will leave Leicester and go to and go to Chelsea. And at that point, he would mm-hmm. be a five million keeper. And I yeah. am absolutely fine rolling with Casper Schmeichel every week for the whole season. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, a, it's a, I'm totally biased now based on that performance in the Community Shield of what is this Chelsea defense? I mean, traditionally Chelsea is very solid. Defensively, a lot of people. Um, I know Dave Wegner Lodal has been talking a lot about. He's just going with Caesar Aspilicueta no matter what, and and Chelsea will grow into it. But uh, and I'm I'm generally against 5.0 goalkeepers because if you're going to try and go that budget, why not just go 4.5? Right, and put a little bit more cash into some place where you might get a goal or an assist. But yeah, there is something. Um, there's something different about Schmeichel at Chelsea. It's like it's a club that's just top tier enough, and it's a goalkeeper that is that good and at the right price. It does make sense. Yeah, I mean Schmeichel just he has great hands, and um, you know he was he was mm, great hands, great, great hands, <laughs> kind of kind of Mignolet ish. You know, it's a it feels like he was you know he was the reason that Leicester didn't totally fall apart. Um, as their I, Leicester's defense sort of fell apart last season, but Schmeichel sort of kept them. You kept things decent, and I feel like yeah. you know you saw that in the in the World Cup as well. I mean, he's just a great, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he's great. He's kind of a save machine. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Schmeichel and a four million keeper—that sounds like a good combo to me. <laughs> yeah, other possible transfers: Danny Ings. I, I I was weirdly we talked a little bit about Danny Ings offline, and you weren't totally sold on him. I mean, he scored what, one goal in the last few years, right? So long. It's been a long time since his breakout season when Burnley was promoted to the Premier League. The first time, yeah. But <laughs> at five point, yeah, the, yes, the first time, uh, not the sequel. But at five point five, if he moves to Palace, um, I'd have to struggle between him and Bobby Reed, a yeah. young, small striker on one of the worst teams coming in 
to the season versus Danny Ings, who has at least at some point proven himself in the league. So I'll be watching that Danny Ings transfer news. Though I think that my biggest disappointment is that Harry Maguire didn't end up getting that move to Manchester United. I think we're all yeah. kind of like sitting on pins and needles waiting to figure out what the what the back four is going to look like, or the, or at least the backs, the two center backs. Yeah, Toby for Jose are going to look like Toby Alderweireld's been been rumored to go to Man United as well. So yeah. if that yeah. happens, he'd be a pretty pretty intriguing option there too. I think that I think he would just slot right into that team. Yeah, the flip side of this question though is I think Wilfred Zaha, where Zaha is to me at Crystal Palace a very desirable FPL option. But if he moves to Spurs or um, uh, another top side like that, I feel like he's off the table for me. Yeah, I I guess so. I mean, he, you know, it would depend on the club a little bit. It does seem like anywhere he goes, he wouldn't be, um, he wouldn't be playing through the middle, you know? So then you wouldn't be the big man on campus anymore. Yeah. And which I actually think could, could work out still. I think, I mean, I, I think that would be fine. Um, I think that he could have. I mean, the problem is he's not a great like. He, you know, his shooting is is just okay. You know, he's really he's kind of an assist man in a lot of ways. You know, and it's like he's you know yeah. he's kind of like he can he can win you a penalty. Like I, I mean, like fantasy assists, right? He's like he, there's like a different sure. ways for him to get points for you. Um, and uh, yeah, so I that doesn't get hampered. I think no matter what position he's playing in, but. Um, it does seem like when he was playing as a forward, he was actually scoring a little bit more too. And I, you, you know, that game Subutio, where you you've got the it's like a soccer board game or a football board game. Sorry, I slipped into Americanisms there. Uh, but you you flick the little football players around the board. That, that to me is what Zaha is. He's a Subutio player. <laughs> you you just use him as a way of moving the ball about the pitch. And then somebody will flick, will ultimately flick the ball, or, or at least Milivojevic will kick the penalty that Zaha wins. <laughs> he got another penalty yesterday. Uh, I mean, Palace yeah. have looked really good in the preseason. So having someone from that team in your squad, uh, I mean, you've got two or three, right? Two defenders. Maybe, maybe would you triple up on that Palace defense, Brandon? I mean, would I, or, or how long will it take me to get there? <laughs> I'm trying to bring things um, in early yeah. so I can have quadruple Palace coverage. I want. I, yeah, want I don't know why. <laughs> Just kidding. Tompkins, uh, it is crazy to, to double up on uh, Palace defense. But, you know, uh, Roy is a big – he's a big traditionally organized uh, manager. I mean, he's not as negative as Allardyce, but uh, – if you're looking at those traditional English managers. But um, I've just been dead set on Tompkins from the moment I – did my first tinker and maybe that's a problem. I, I do have to go and just scour the 4.5 defenders again to see if I'm missing out another, another obvious pick, but I do like palaces opening fixtures and for them to get a fair number of clean sheets uh, early on. All right. Well, Brennan, our five minute review of our own teams is complete. Uh, let's take a quick break and we will get back. Um, we'll reset the stop clock. Reset the stop watch. Uh, we'll get back and we're going to look at uh, unanswered questions going into game week one. Josh, a quick minute to talk about our wonderful sponsors. It's starting 11. Uh, Josh, does FPL have you stressed out? Yes. <laughs> Are you tired of planning for the long term? We're talking about bus teams. We're talking about going yeah. into, into a coma. We're planning so for game week eight. Yeah. I'm uh, tired. If you wish that you could have any player you want, regardless of the budget, and if you wish that you could also play fantasy for cash prizes, let us introduce you to Starting 11, where you can play uh, cash games live in the UK. 
33 of the U.S. states, including Washington, D.C., Canada, and Germany. The Starting 11 app is available for your iOS or Android phone, and it is Daily Fantasy. And you can play this game anytime there are at least two or more Premier League matches happening. You set up your squad for uh, that day's fantasy. You have no budget constraints. You can have any player you want from those teams. Adjust your lineups right up to kickoff. So there is no deadline uh, prior to the team sheets being announced. Your your lineup is not going to get messed up because Mahrez didn't, didn't make the starting 11. And while you're watching these games through starting 11, you also get three live in-game substitutions, which makes makes you feel like the manager on the sidelines you can affect how your uh your fantasy team on starting 11 is doing based on what you see on the pitch so download the app go to starting 11.io that's starting 11.io you've got links right there to download the app for your ios or android phone or just search for the app in the ios or android app stores stay tuned we've got a a special bonus pod coming up in a few weeks with the co-founder of starting 11 thomas braun he's going to talk to us about what's going on at starting 11 and all the great new things that are happening with them this in their second premier league season of existing josh we had a lot of fun using starting 11 last season yeah I, i agree with everything you just said i am particularly excited to play cash money games brandon you know when we go to the uk this fall just as a reminder we're going to uk in october uh we should try to get some sort of starting 11 meetup going where we're all we're all you know, playing that, you know, playing together. I guess we're actually going to be yeah. at games, but we can play, you know, we can play on your phone, right? Well, Easy that, and that's the fun thing about starting 11 because it's on your mobile device. You can play at the pub, you can play um, at the stadium, you can play at home with people around you, with strangers around the world. Uh, so, a very cool setup there. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say is just that uh, when you get sick of the fantasy app, uh, which can be an extremely frustrating app, as we all know, uh, starting 11, these guys are experts at design. So, it's just a very clean and easy experience uh, exactly what uh, you want and don't really have right now for a daily fantasy experience so check it out all right yeah visit starting 11.io for more information and download that app today brandon we're back Part two of the podcast, unanswered questions going into game week one. Uh, we've got a lot of different questions here. Uh, we're going to try to do this lightning round style, so we're going to move through them as quickly as possible just so we can get to all of them. Uh, a couple of them we'll probably have to spend a little bit more time on, uh, but I think a couple we can answer in like three words, you know. So, <laughs> um, so the first question comes from Thomas Owen. He says, who are the lowest priced players in each position who could start? Uh, and he mentions uh, four million defenders as one example. Yeah, I've got a list here that I'll just rattle through. Of course, we talked about Juan Basicas at Crystal Palace uh, at right back 4.0. The other right back at 4.0 that's getting uh, a lot of attention is Peltier at Cardiff. He is flagged currently for a concussion, but he's been starting in the preseason and Cardiff fans are are pegging him for a start in game week one. Yeah, I think um, uh, Sutner on uh, Brighton is another player who... Uh, slightly riskier, definitely could end up as a bench player, but he has gotten some pretty serious minutes uh, in the preseason. He's been really attacking as well. So um, just another possible option. I, you know, I definitely fifth defender, possibly don't even bring him in at all, but just a player to keep an eye on. Yeah. All the big midfielders here to talk about. It's Tom Carney, Helder Costa at Wolverhampton uh, coming off of a five goal season for Wolves last season. He's at 5.0, just like Carney. And three other 5.0 midfielders, Will Hughes at Watford, Kennedy, who uh, permanently made his deal with Newcastle, and Ruben Neves at Wolverhampton, who's currently in your bus team, Josh. So all those guys look like the the 5.0s of choice in the midfield. 
We've barely talked about Newcastle in any of our previews because their opening fixtures are just awful. But uh, come you know game week, was it like eight or nine? Um, they get a lot better um, as. As, 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 which is how it works, Brandon. Uh, yeah. uh, it doesn't stay bad forever. So, yeah, I think uh, we'll talk more about them and uh, upcoming pods. I, I can't recommend anybody in Newcastle right now, though. Yeah, I, I'm sad that Jack Cork, who was my favorite 4.5 midfielder last season, has been bumped up to 5.0. Dale Stevens, I think, Why is going to be... Why did he get bumped? He scores like one goal a year. <laughs> Just I don't know. 4.5. <laughs> Small guy scored a headed goal here in the preseason, Jack Cork. So that that's your 5.0 right there. But uh, and then you're looking at Morgan Schneiderlin. It's a four point five. Yeah, just a just a possibility. Stevens to use four point five. In the in the striker situation, uh, Abubakar Obubakar Kamara, not the easiest name to say. Fulham striker at four point five. He's kind of been he's been on the outside of all of these preseason discussions. Of this guy's at four point five. He gets a fair amount of playing time. Is he going to start? He's, there's no way he's guaranteed to start Kamara uh, for Fulham, but he's up to 10.9% ownership. I do think he'll see uh, he'll God, be. Is, a, he, is he that uh, high already? He's up to 11% ownership. That's just, that's yeah. Much I, I imagine it's a lot of people playing four four two lineups. Sure. At four point five, it's sort of a he he could. I expect he'll be like a level of Huddersfield's Quainar last season. Right. He will get the occasional start, but more likely come on as a sub. He'll get minutes. Will he produce anything for your team? Will you ever be, feel comfortable starting him? I doubt it. So I'm I'm kind of yeah. saying stay away from Kamara. Yeah, I mean I think that you know he is the 4.5 million player of, that you'd want. Um, you know if, if you needed to go that small. I mean he did he started and scored yesterday, so that's encouraging. Yeah, that is encouraging uh, off of an assist from Mitro, I think. So yeah. Um, oh, old Mitro, Mitro uh, six point five. That's a rough price, man. <laughs> it really is. I don't know why he's priced that high. It seems really high based on his. Uh, he's clearly a six really six point oh championship. He's a, yeah. He should be a six point oh. That's exactly right. It's too high. Uh, that Joe guy says essentials in every position. Uh, I was thinking about this, Brennan. I'm not sure there is a single essential outside of Mosala. Yeah, I do think that people will make the case for Sergio Aguero being essential, and I think that's in a pre Harry Kane season right now. Yeah, where he is, I think it's going to get very. We're going to have to kill a lot of darlings once Harry Kane steps up and starts had, starting for Spurs. If you had one or two Man City midfielders, I think I think you know. Let's say you're doubled up in Man City, you can only have one one extra player uh, doubled up in their defense. You can only have one extra attacker. I think it, I think having someone like I don't know Sane. I mean, now that now if Sane really has a knock, then then that changes things. But let's say he's let's say he's fine. Um, Sane or Mares, I think that, that that might be. I I I definitely wouldn't call Aguero a lock. I could I could see a version of my game week one team that doesn't have Aguero. Um, maybe a little less likely now that he has scored that brace, but um, he's borderline lock. I'd say. Yeah, uh, I just want to take you through these Arsenal fixtures to open up the season. It's it's Man City and Chelsea to start, but then it's West Ham, Cardiff, Newcastle, Everton. Wofford at home, Fulham, Leicester, Crystal Palace, until they get to Liverpool in game week 11. I feel like Arsenal defense is essential right now, despite that opening fixture to Man City. And I, I do wonder if there's just going to be a rush on Arsenal defenders once you hit game week three. It's possible. I, to me, I'm waiting till game week three. Um, that I, I think that'll just be one of my early transfers. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like things are still a little unsettled in that defense, and I'm not hundred percent sure i know who the starters are um 
you know, even someone like Nacho Monreal hasn't even, I think he's back with the squad now, but he, has he played a preseason match? Did he finally play yesterday? Um, you know, he hasn't been like with the team at all. Um, so, yeah, right. Um, so it feels a little unsettled. I mean, I agree that Socrates is probably the safest player in that team, but yeah. I mean, ultimately, yeah, Man City and Chelsea, I just don't see clean sheets in those first two matches. So, um, I'm going to wait until game week three. All right. So I want to read this because this is one of the more beautiful questions we've ever heard, uh, on this podcast Inverse from Chico Fernandez to early wild card or not to early wild card. That is the question, whether it is nobler to risk blanks with uncertain pawns or to gas vice in the wind in favor of truer steeds. And by signing them, have we consistent green arrows? Hmm. Beautiful. That's, that's, uh, that's just, that's just Chico, right? That isn't a reference to anything. That is not a, uh, plan words. Yeah. Chico, <laughs> just... great FPL manager, also the greatest playwright in the history of the world. Well done there, Chico. <laughs> Chico, so, Chico Shakespeare. <laughs> if I get, if I get what Chico is going for here, it's what are our thoughts on wildcard going in to game week one? Are you, how, how much are you thinking about world cup players coming back in game weeks three and four yeah. and planning for that? Say and it's, Close to a dead certainty that I wildcard early on. Um, part of the appeal of having Aguero is that Aguero moves to Kane reasonably easily. Um, you don't have to free up that much money to do it. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this kind of famously you don't want Kane in August. I mean, they're... Their fixtures, the thing about Kane is that, you know, they have two strong opening fixtures and the fixtures actually get kind of bad after that. Um, I mean, Kane is arguably fixture proof anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But let's say that Harry Kane doesn't join the team until game week three, right? And if you're wild card and you feel like Kane is one of the main reasons you do it, right? So mm-hmm. Kane is 12.5 million, second most expensive player after Salah. So probably not going to play in the Newcastle game, probably not going to play in the Fulham game either. So um, they play uh, Man United, Watford, uh, Liverpool, and Brighton in the next four after that. And Man United's away, Watford's away, um, Liverpool matches at home, which actually I would like, I would love to have them for that game. Uh, I think and then, that's and, their first fix. I think that's their first home game in their new stadium. Yeah, yeah. So that could be, yeah. So you probably, so I would probably like to have Harry Kane before game week five. I feel like that's when I would want him in my squad. Yeah, Maybe the new stadium, the World Cup and the new stadium, the weird lack of signings at Spurs. Not that this has been a problem for them the last couple of seasons, but I'm I'm very wary of Spurs right now. And it's it's another reason that another feather in the Arsenal cap for me and that this team has been really not impacted at all by the World Cup and players coming back and they look like they'll pre- be pretty settled for game week one. So um, I, I guess that's why I'm trying to pin a lot of my hopes to them and seeing if if by doing that I can save my wild card for another few weeks. Yeah. I, yeah part of it was uh, I had that conversation with FPL Stag on the uh, – we did a Patreon exclusive uh, pod maybe two weeks ago. Um, sorry for plugging Patreon so much, but it was it was a good interview. Uh, uh, worth going back and listening to because we were just sort of talking in, in broad strokes about the early you know early fixtures and, and players to watch. Uh, and he mentioned he read this this interview. It was, it was like an analysis of people who'd won the league the last few seasons, and um, one of the one of the hallmarks of each of these league winning people is that they wild carded very early in the season. Like the average wild card was like game week two or three. So super early in the season. And the idea was basically, um, 
if you if you didn't get on whoever the players you needed to have were early, you're dead. You know, mm-hmm. like you have to just get on the bus with all of the with all the top players and get on them as soon as possible because those price rises kick in and they're just it's the the amount of re-raging you have to do to start bringing them in is is so you know arduous. Um, yep. So that that alone has got me thinking about an early wild card and this idea of maybe not playing wait and see. I mean, it, it, there's always some risk, you know. I mean, an early wild card, it's you know you could you could be looking at you know the player that you think is going to be a consistent scorer all season just had two good matches, you know, or um, or loses their place in the squad or whatever, you know, so yeah. or gets injured for that matter. Um, so you know there is some risk, but I, I'm planning an early wild card just because I think it's 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 the best way to to you know help my overall rank. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, don't don't get too focused on players coming back from World Cup. I'm trying to think of the players that will be missing in game week one. How big of a deal is it? You've got KDB, probably Lukaku and Harry Kane. Those are the Raheem, ones that stick out to me. Raheem, Raheem Sterling, Sterling yeah. you know, Eden, Eden Hazard, if he stays. Um, all right. So uh, next question comes from AM Saturday. He says, uh, who would you gents say is a player who is not so popular among FPL managers but as a must for game weeks one through three. Ugh, must is a tough question. one here. Must AM. is a tough one. Um, I, could, I, I think of Everton here because Everton's fixtures are are so appealing to start, but Everton as a squad, they just had a miserable season last year, and their preseason results have been pretty dire. Spotty. But yeah. um, opening with Wolves, Southampton, Bournemouth, Huddersfield, West Ham through the first five game weeks um, – I mean, like I said, with my bus team, I've got Keane in there. I drafted in Sigurdsson into my yeah. uh, Patreon draft team. And uh, I could be talked into a couple of other Everton players. I don't know. What do you think about them? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think about them. And I have a Charleston right now. It's It seems like... It seems like they don't quite know what the best version of their team is yet. And that's always a little scary because that could mean a lot of, a lot of different a lot of different starting 11s, you know? Um, and sometimes that means that the player in your squad is out, you know, just as they start, as they start to tinker with things. Well, yeah, a lot of different starting 11s also means a lack of chemistry. and the Right. Well, I think that's, you know, that's part of why I have, you know, I mean, Josh King and Pascal Gross are in my team right now because, I mean, those guys to me are locks. They're going to play every match. And, you know, I mean, Josh King to me is an essential. I, I, there's certainly, you know, a lot of, you do not need to have him in your team going to game week one, but uh, he has basically his first 10 fixtures. There's maybe one bad fixture in those 10. Um, they play uh, Cardiff, West Ham and Everton, the first three uh, Chelsea away in game week four, which is the one tough fixture. And then game weeks five through 10, it's Leicester, Burnley, Palace, Watford and Southampton. Three out of five of those are at home. It's just, it's just a very good run. He's been great in preseason. He's only six point five million. Um, I just I just really like the the you know the the point production. I think I'm going to get for that money. And if he's still on pens like he was the second half of last season, I just think he's he's very valuable. Um, and you know the other player is Pascal Gross. I mentioned earlier who I just. I just he's going to be so involved in that team, you know. There's they're, they're not you know their their fixtures aren't great, um, and that's the concern. I was, you know they they play Man United, Liverpool in game weeks two and three. Uh, Man United matches home and Liverpool, you know they're always a little bit of a risk for conceding goals. So 
Um, although I've been getting like hammered for that on, on Twitter. I, maybe I still have this like antiquated idea of Liverpool as a team that has a dodgy defense. I, maybe it's because they gave up like 75 goals in the Champions League or something. And it's like uh, it's affecting the way I think about their league form. But um, the, stat, the stats are slightly skewed, right? Because Van Dyke came in late right. in the season and that's the turning point for that defense. And yeah. you look at the young backs they have in Alexander Arnold and Robertson. They uh, are younger, and Robertson especially new to the system last season. Yeah, I mean, really I have Robertson in my it. team. Yeah, I have yeah, Robertson right. in my we team, but but yeah. I, I could see I could see them conceding. You know, I could see Brighton scoring in that match. So uh, yeah, so Gross is there for now. We'll see. We'll see if he uh, you know makes his way into game week one. But I I do like the idea of having a player on a mid table or lower table, lower in the table squad who just you just know is going to start and play big minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Lazarus asks, how many Greek internationals is enough? Will Socrates remedy Arsenal's garbage defense? Can we expect Marv Rapanos to be played out of position up front as a cheap alternative to Lacazette and Aubameyang? <laughs> Triple captain Holobos in game week one. Hashtag Hemlock. Hashtag Greek FPL. Hashtag is this a thing? Hashtag Holobos Twitter. Is oh, there a whole like dark thing. corner? It, there's you're, Holobos. You're the, you were maybe the only one, Brandon, who's in FBL who isn't part of Holobos Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> We've been keeping you uh, out of it for a while, man. Yeah, my my favorite first Greek player in the Premier League was Karagounis back when he played for Fulham. So yeah, I do have a soft <laughs> spot to for for Greeks in the league. But um, yeah, how many is enough? You, you can never have enough Greeks. You can never have enough. All of them. That's that's even even when you have all of them, it's not enough. Uh, all right, Gabriel Castiana says uh, rotating goalkeeper versus premium goalkeeper, and if rotating goalkeeper, what's the best rotation? So I'm coming around to the premium goalkeeper thing last year. Or I mean, based on what, how last year went, I, I was trying to rotate early in the season. Then I finally brought in David De Gea, and it was like, oh, thank God. Like, I don't have to worry about this anymore. I just have, like, a goalkeeper who gets me clean sheets all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I want that again. I don't well, I don't want to spend $6 million on De Gea, which seems a little too high. But um, let's – let's okay, so we think, you know, Ederson, De Gea, those – you know, we talked about them earlier. Let's say that you were going for goalkeeper rotation. Have you kicked around any goalkeeper rotation strategies? Oh, like, is yep. there anyone who – you know, anything that stands out? Yeah, I mean the the guy that really sticks out to me is pr- from promoted side Wolves, Rui Patricio, who's the Portuguese national team keeper coming into the side, and I think he does rotate pretty well. So Wolves, just just generally speaking, this is not based in the world of of spreadsheets and all that sort of thing, but um, they have generally kind fixtures in game weeks one and two, uh, four and five. Um, yeah, that's right. Man City that Wolves have in game week three. So I would look at maybe a rotation with Patricia and Palace. So whereas Wolves have Man City in game week three, Palace um, uh, have Watford. The problem with Palace is we don't quite know exactly who's going to start there. Is it going to be the new guy, Guaita, or is it going to be Wayne Hennessy? And it looks right. like Hennessy is kind of edging it out in the preseason. Right, for the um, time being at least, Yeah. Yeah, the 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 rotation is just such it's such a hard thing, and it's and it is a crapshoot. But I do think yeah. that there are plenty of four point five GKs out there that are interesting to rotate with. If you build around Patricio, for me, that's the way to go. You know, a lot of people have Fabianski. I think is let's see where his ownership is at right now. It feels I think it's pretty high. He's is it, yeah, Fabianski is at twenty two percent ownership, which is pretty high for a four four point five million keeper. Um, to me, I just don't know that I trust that defense enough. 
Um, I know that they have Issa Job, who everyone's really excited about. He's probably going to be a stabilizing force in that defense, but it still feels a little risky to me to I, – I don't know. I mean, I, if people just love Fabianski. Um, I, I think it's – I'm still surprised by how old he is. I, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago on a podcast, but he's like only like a year younger than Peter Cech. Uh, and he mm-hmm. looks young though. Like Fabianski looks like he's about 26 years old, uh, even though he's been yeah. around forever. Great skincare, great skincare <laughs> regimen. So I'm not, I'm not as into Fabianski as, as some people are. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, I guess I just, maybe I just, maybe I'm just, I'm just not as in on West Ham outside of Armitage as some people are for that. For okay. That so you're, you're in on Bournemouth in terms of attack with Josh King. We talk quite a right. bit about how Bournemouth's defense is garbage. Begovic is getting into a lot of, preseason tinkers and that's another one that maybe you could look to rotate with yeah. another 4.5 but they're i feel like in that I case i would just i would just bring in matt ryan in that case i mean even even go with for some save bad points fixtures. yeah go for save points i mean he's really solid keeper 4.5 million they actually have if you you know if you can get past man united and liverpool their fixtures are actually pretty decent uh fulham southampton i guess they do play Eh, it's a mixed bag. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, Brandon. It's a mixed bag <laughs> with Brighton. But yeah, you can see a lot. I mean, they have a you know home match or they play in a away match at Man City. I mean, he can end up with you know three or four points in that match just just on saves alone. So um, yeah. yeah, so I feel I feel like that's a and maybe you just I mean, obviously if you bring in Matt Ryan, you're not going to do him as a set and forget keeper anyway. So yeah. uh, you know you could rotate Ryan with um, I think I think uh, uh, Ryan and Ben Foster and Watford rotate reasonably well. So that's that's a possibility. Yeah, I have played premium goalkeeper for like the last three seasons. David De Gea has been my man for a while. He, the the problem here now is he's priced it as as an absolute premium at six But I can just tell you the feeling you have going into each weekend, knowing you have um, a goalkeeper of substance on a team that is that has a chance of getting yeah. a clean sheet. It's a, just, it's a far better feeling than the crapshoot yeah. of rotation. I'm still worried about Mourinho, like just playing like four 18 year olds in defense, just as like a protest against. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah no, no, I, I'm, I'm totally fine staying away from Manchester United, but the, the point of the point of not feeling bad about spending a little extra money on a GK, it's not sexy, but it is uh, quite a relief. All right, Ian, FPL Strategic has a math problem for us, Brandon. He says you have $17 million to spend on a defender, midfield, or in forward. Who do you get? All right, so if you spend $13 million on Mo Salah, you've got uh, <laughs> $4 million, million left, yeah, $2, $2 million million each. each. So, yeah, so Salah and a $2 million forward and a $2 million defender. That seems right. It's a great, it's a great question, Ian, but I, I have no way of answering this question. We'll take, it, we'll, we'll take it offline, and we'll take a look at your team and give you a real response. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've already talked a little bit about kind of the lower-cost players that, that we're interested in. Um, yeah, you just need to see a full team to really, to really know. Um, I think that... Um, I mean, you talked earlier. I, I just one name that that I that came to mind immediately was um, was Bobby Reed, uh, mm-hmm. who you know is in your current squad right now. I I, I feel very bullish on Bobby Reed for some reason. Uh, he's had a pretty good preseason. Um, I, I'm a sucker for short guys. I just I, I love rooting for people who are as short as I am. Not that I'm even mm-hmm. that short, Brent. I mean, I'm like five eight. You know, but you're freakishly short. Let's be clear, freakishly short. <laughs> so I, I'm a big fan of uh, yeah, Shakiri. Uh, I'm going Allen and the short guys this year, Brandon. Okay. All right. Mike Mulcahy asks, should I keep talking myself out of Lacazette? We touched upon this a little bit earlier. It's it's kind of the hokey cokey between Aubameyang and Lacazette. 
The question is, is he guaranteed? He will get starts in the first five weeks. I think that's no question. But is he a lock in that lineup? <laughs> Too early to tell. So let's let's hope that something comes out that confirms that he's a lock. Let's. I mean, you know, a lock is that injury or something, or not not lock is that. Um, um, you know, if uh, oh, I don't know. I, I, if, if, I guess if um, if something happened to uh, Mkhitaryan, we wouldn't talk about Mkhitaryan at all. Um, yeah, you know, I know. And he's still he, a tempting option. I know. It's $7 million. I think I said in one of our way earlier preseason pods, he was the first one into my team. I just assumed that. How could you leave a guy like Mickey out of that lineup? He was so great yeah. when he came to Arsenal. But it's looking really shaky for him. Yeah. I mean, but let me pose this hypothetical to you. Say, assume that Lacazette and Aubameyang start together. What does the share of goals look like there? Aubameyang is likely on pens and not Lacazette. So there is yeah. a big upside for Alba there, but I could see them easily going 50-50 on goals from open play. Yeah, it's the the kind of style that that Emery plays, you know, it's it's a front three and they're kind of interchangeable. So you know, right now you you possibly have four players for three slots um depending on where Ozil plays. I mean, the from what I've read, it sounds like Ozil can either play centrally or if Ozil and Ramsey are on the pitch at the same time, then you um then you probably have to play Ozil as one of the people in that front three. Yeah, um, play him might, a little bit out to the right. Yeah, which might knock Lacazette out of the starting spot, or Mkhitaryan comes off the bench. Um, but there is probably something to be said for having Lacazette as a as a, as a like a like a backup option. You know, if you need a mm-hmm. goal, um, I don't know if he wants to be in that role, but it does kind of make sense. I I don't know that Lacazette will stand for it. You know, as as a long term backup. But um, so I don't know. It feels it feels tricky. I mean, Aubameyang, yeah, it's just it's the guaranteed aspect of it that that is making us want to spend that extra 1.5 million but um i'm tempted by lacazette too all right let's keep this question let's keep this question of Aubameyang going fpl chancer asked temp, template question but it's still dividing people abba or aguero or abba and aguero and do we need a plan for getting harry kane in once that time comes so i think we both with our bus teams are saying it's abba and aguero at this point yeah, I think it's uh, Abba and Aguero for now. Um, kind of hoping I can downgrade Abba to Lacazette, but uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what comes out this week. Uh, the Harry Kane thing I think we already talked about. I think, um, yeah, at some point I do plan to have Harry Kane in my squad. Um, I'm certainly not looking at him until game week four. Don't even worry about it, I guess, at this point. I yeah. think that the a guy at... at at 12.5, the only way we're really getting him in is triggering a wild card. So this is a, we cross that bridge when we get to it. Don't worry about it right now. Yeah. Uh, Fluke says, is it worth ditching my 3-4-3 three, three, three formation and placing a striker with Kamara? Surely a starting 4.5 million striker is too good to turn down. You know, it's amazing how often we get a question that has the word surely in it and how often I disagree with the person when they use the word surely. <laughs> um, I it is tempting, but you know, Brandon, being much more of a Fulham expert than I am, doesn't see Kamara as a as a starting four point five. Nope. You see him as a rotational striker, right? Totally. Yes. Yeah. And more likely a bench coming off of the bench striker around the seventieth, seventy-five minute if they need a little more attacking power. So you're taking your life into your own hands putting Kamara in that squad. Yeah, I mean and it could be that it is worth it for for the way for your team. I don't have his I don't have his team in front of me right now, but I mean it could be that you know that extra money that you could put into your defense and your midfield would make for a stronger team. Um, you know, and then he's just kind of like you treat him like a you know, like a 
you know, fifth well, midfielder or something, well, you know, yeah, where it's just yeah. like you, he's there yeah. if you need him. Maybe you only get one yeah. point. You're basically committing, I think, to playing a four four two, which is completely legitimate. Yeah. Or maybe even a three five two. It's right. same same difference in, in this example. And that's fine. The only problem is is if you gamble on starting Kamara before the game week deadline hits and he comes in for a blank in the eighty fifth minute, then you're not gonna be very happy. It's amazing how many viable formations there are this year. I mean, there are just so many good players right now. <laughs> I, I can't I can't remember ever feeling like I had a larger pool of of players to pick from. You know, it's Oh yeah, I, the the earlier yeah. question of who's the most un- popular fpl player that's a must-have like it seems right now that all of the players are popular we want them all <laughs> exactly i mean i could see a five a five at the back uh formation that would be very successful i could see a you know a four you know four four two or like you said a three five two all of which makes sense too and so i, I don't really want to strongly advocate for one particular formation because uh you know there's a lot of guesswork early on in the season i mean okay actually let's go right into the next question because i think that's a it leads right into it, which is um, from Sadat Machia says, uh, is Alexis Sanchez the best punt? He uh, says you can downgrade him to Asane Erickson or swap him straight out for someone like KDB or Hazard when they get back. Yeah, so I love this. I think way the to only think about it. For sure. For sure. It's kind of a placeholder, but it's it's all upside while you're waiting to switch him to somebody else. And I think if we weren't both committed to the Alba plus Aguero front line, then Alexis Sanchez becomes a very viable midfield option. But we, do, I do not have the money for him. I haven't figured yeah. out how to make that work. I mean, you know, I guess – okay, so let's say I dropped Aubameyang. Okay, what, what's a better combination? Pascal Gross and Aubameyang or Marco Arnatovich and Alexis Sanchez? It's like a not. It's not that was not like a clear, clear cut mm. answer, right? No, no. I mean, not not in the first two weeks anyway. Maybe maybe over yeah. eight weeks, given Arsenal's fixtures, Abba comes out a little ahead. But yeah. it is definitely not. It's not easy to, to decide. Yeah, I mean, just, there's just so many warning signs with Manchester United right now. They um, they've looked kind of strange in preseason, and of course, Jose is is slowly or quickly losing his mind. <laughs> So and I wish he I, was I, – I know. I wish that he would uh, pull himself together a little bit. I actually like Mourinho, and it's getting very hard to to like him. I, I, I feel like what – you know, a lot of what he does is an act, but it's just – it's so tiring the way he – he's so negative. It's like hanging out with a friend who just yeah. is never positive. And after a while, it does start to like grind you down a little bit. So Alexis Sanchez looked out of sorts when he came to Manchester United last season, and that was even when Lukaku and Pogba um, and the rest were playing. It's very likely that Sanchez is going to be kind of on his own up front for United. Does that make him more appealing, or is it even going to be a worst case for Sanchez at United, a team where he doesn't feel at home and it's just not working for him? Yeah, the problem is when Lukaku comes back. So, I mean, you know, I read there. Um, I, I mentioned these guys a lot on Twitter, but I, I've really been enjoying the Stats Bombs articles this year. Um, and you know, part of the issue that they had last season when they brought in Alexis was, you know, ev- basically all of the midfielders wanted to play like forwards, or all the people who are supposed to be kind of in people who were supposed to be helping to sort of channel the ball through Lukaku were trying to be forwards on their own, right? So Rashford and, and Marshall in particular. So Who could forget the, uh, the Matic bicycle kick. Right. <laughs> what so, a wonderful attacking player. As a result, someone needed to link up with, with the defense and, and, you know, in the, in the 
central defenders. And so that became Alexis Sanchez. And so he basically sacrificed his scoring in order to be like a link up player and really hurt him from a fantasy perspective. So even if, you know, if, if he starts the season, I mean, God, I mean, having Alexis in game week one at home to Leicester on Friday night, that would be amazing. I would love that. Uh, I would, yeah. like, I would be, it would make Friday. So like if he scored, oh, it'd be so glorious, but you know, my concern is game week three or thereabouts, you know, and when he suddenly drops back. And so then what am I doing? I guess I'm dropping him for someone like Rose and then I'm moving that money into Harry Kane. It's just like it's it feels very complicated to me. And I feel like yeah. a lot of things go wrong. Um, and suddenly I'm stuck with Alexis as a 10.5 million player who isn't really scoring or assisting because he's got to get the ball to these other guys, you know? So it could be, you know, if Marshall leaves, it might free up some more space for, for Alexis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. We have a few more questions to go before we get to the game week one preview proper. And the next question comes from FPL derp derp. I think I got that right. Derp to derp. Okay. Is triple is triple Liverpool the way to go? And is Nabby Keita an option at 7.5? So Salah is a must. We're both invested in the Liverpool defense. Do you have space in your squad for a third Liverpool player? There's like 10 players who I'd want more than Nabi. I, I actually like Nabi Keita, and I'm sure that there's a lot of Liverpool fans who are bringing him in. But, I mean, you know, Jota, uh, Richarlison, Gross, I, a lot of these players seem like better options to me than Nabi Keita. Yeah, just look at the the. It's basically a heat map question, and I think all, all those players you mentioned, Josh, and, and many others that – I mean, even going as low as Tom Carney are going to be farther up the pitch than Keita. Yeah. I mean, a team is attacking in Liverpool. There, there are going to be points everywhere. But I, you know, I just, I, yeah, I, I think he is an option, but I think there are better options. All right. Nav, and a special shout out to Nav, who we, we met him at Jimmy's Corner in Midtown in Manhattan the other day. Who He uh, graciously made time during his vacation to meet up with us. So, uh, hey there, Nav. He, he asked, do you think World Cup stars will drop in price as lots of casuals sell them after game week one? If so, who becomes appealing? So Nav's talking about all those people who love KDB. They thought it was sensational for Belgium. Go to the transfer list on the FPL site. KDB's way up there in the midfielders. Let's bring him in. And then they all immediately sell him when he, they see he doesn't stay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got uh, Trippier, Harry Maguire. I'm, I'm just looking at the most owned players in the league right now. I mean, Trippier and Harry Maguire both might not start game week one, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you've got, uh, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne probably won't start in game week. I almost certainly won't start in game week one. May make the bench in game week two. Um, you know, uh, N'Golo Conte, who's the fourth most on midfielder somehow, is almost certainly not going to start game week one. Uh, Roberto Firmino, the most owned forward, and Harry Kane, the second most owned forward. Those players are not going to be starting game week one. So, um, you know, I mean, okay, maybe Firmino starts. I, I kind of doubt it, though. Um, you can throw this back on my face if he does start game week one. Oh, um, and I intend to, Jim. I intend to. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, these players could, I mean, you know, Roberto Firmino at 9.2 million. I mean, that's, you'd have to rearrange your team to bring him in, right? It'd be such great, amazing value at 9.2. Even at 9.5, yeah. he's pretty good value. I just, it's the starting risk that's, that's throwing me off a little bit. I think it's all upside for us. I mean, if you're listening to Always Cheating, you're, you're doing your research as an FPL manager, you're well more prepared than these casuals. It's all upside. If these players lose value, then you can bring them in at a cheaper price. So, so long as yeah. you're prepared, you have it. Just, just follow what the predicted team sheets will be. Of course, you'll some of those predicted team sheets will ultimately be wrong for game week one. 
But do your best to figure that out, and then we can jump on these players when they hopefully do drop in price. Yeah, exactly. It's a situational thing. I mean, actually, you know, it's interesting because uh, just going back to that Sanchez thing, I mean, yeah, you know, if KDB drops down, like let's say I have Sanchez for two weeks, uh, and then KDB drops down to like 9.8 million, you know, then suddenly I, you know, I can save 0.7 million, um, you know, uh, to bring in, to bring KDB, and then I've got that 0.7 million that I can invest somewhere else, so. Mm-hmm. God, it sounds like I'm talking myself into Sanchez, isn't it? I'm sort of turning my head yeah, a little bit, it's, Brandon. It's amazing to listen to, Josh. <laughs> the metamorphosis uh, of Josh. <laughs> All right, a couple more questions. Red Dagger says, are you worried about how unsettled Man United's defense looks? One word, yes. Yeah, me too. One word, yes. Uh, Sparty says, uh, what routes are you taking into the city midfield for the start of the season, if at all, and Why? I mean, Isane is the one to me that is most appealing, despite him coming off early in the Community Shield with a knock. Um, he had a couple of poor touches in that match against Chelsea. Yeah, just scored Didn't look, in the first half. Yeah, um, but he still would be the one that I favor. And I think ultimately we've both decided to go without because, as we saw last season, uh, the points are going to get spread around Aguero being Aguero, that's the place I want to start, and I frankly can't afford anybody else. Yeah, yeah. I think Aguero, talked about him earlier, he's close to a lock in my team as well. And I, I think, um, yeah, I just don't, I, the KDB is the player I really want in that midfield. Um, and I think I'm just going to wait and, and bring him in. Uh, Are you know, ready to talk somebody out of Riyad Mahrez? I think that's really the subliminal question here. Well, like, let's wait till he does anything for, for Man City. <laughs> like, yeah. let's wait till he has a goal or an assist, you know? Like, he hasn't, I mean, the preseason, like, he's like the, I know he looks good and he's been trying really hard and, you know, he's been, you know, agitating to play at Man City for two years or whatever. But, like, it just, like, let's wait until he actually does something impressive before we, uh, you know, I'll start to spend nine million on him in our squad. I mean, I, Man City have great fixtures, so I mean, tripling up a Man City in any different combination is probably going to work out for you. Um, that could include one of their midfielders, but I, I just I don't love any of them right now. Maybe, maybe Sane. I mean, if he's healthy, because um, there are just times when that guy just bursts by everybody, and um, you know, he gets some easy goals. So I, I don't know. I, I think maybe maybe Sane. He'd be the player I'd want if I had anybody. Yeah, our Rick Sito has a team value question here for us. What is the most that one should leave in the bank at the start of the season, given that we should leave more than in seasons past due to the World Cup? So we talked a bit about how the World Cup is going to impact the first month of the season, but are you planning on leaving any money in the bank heading into game week? No, nah, I'm just planning the wild card early. That's, that's how yeah. I'm going to handle it. Yeah, I have 0.5 in the bank right now, and that's Basically because I'm still tinkering. But, yeah, I, I suspect at the end of the day I'm going to be at a zero balance uh, for game week one. I, I, yeah, I, I, it feels very likely that I'm going to end up moving a couple things around after the transfer window closes, too, um, you know, on Thursday night. Um, although, God, it's a short window. I mean, it's less than 24 hours. So, um, yeah, get that bus <laughs> team set. Final mm-hmm. question. Uh, Tom Campbell says, um, I brought Erickson into my squad today. How are you guys feeling about him and the Spurs team as a collective for the first three game weeks? Talk about All right, Kane so let's, let's look at the fixtures for Spurs. It's away to Newcastle, then Fulham, which they'll play at Wembley, I believe, and then they're away at Old Trafford. Uh, two good fixtures? Yeah, two good fixtures. Newcastle are in complete disarray. But I don't know. I did watch the game that Spurs played against Roma, and they completely annihilated them in the first half, scoring four goals. 
and Lucas Lucas Mora was the star of the show there. And I have guaranteed, if you remember, Josh, that Yorente mm-hmm. will score in game week one. <laughs> That's right, you have. Uh, I have I kicked around the idea of Lucas as a seven million option. I mean, I could I could just do Lucas instead of Pascal Gross. Um, that would make sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Erickson, I guess, is the is the contender there at 9.5 million. It's a very reasonable price for him. Um, yeah. I guess I would rather have him when Kane was in the squad as well, you know, so that he could assist Kane. Yep. I agree. I think the attack is, well, they have some really quality attacking players. It's, it's not quite settled after yeah. the summer and the preseason. And Erickson is at his best when that when he's surrounded by all his old friends. It's kind of Dele hard to see Alley them. And Harry Kane. Them losing four four one yesterday did throw me off. I know it was not like their strongest possible squad, but losing four yeah. one not 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 awesome. Erickson is that player where uh, Tom, you just bring him in. If you commit to bringing him in, you're going to have him all season. Right. Of course, exactly. he will surely finish in the top five. You have to just be prepared for some hiccups earlier in the season yeah so i don't hate the pick but i think it's going to be bumpy to start the season i hate the person making the pick though brand i'll tell you that much yeah, yeah come I at us, tom. tom i hate tom campbell that's right <laughs> what a great time to take a break uh, after throwing some throwing some real shade there tom Just let's take a quick kidding of course all right yeah let's take a quick break and then we'll look at game week one Josh, we've got the game week one fixtures here in front of us, starting off with a Friday night kickoff. It's Manchester United hosting Leicester City. This sounds like a, a drab 2-1 victory for United. <laughs> yeah, probably. Without Vardy, um, I guess I feel that way. I mean, the Nacho Man has been on an absolute goal-scoring frenzy. Uh, and Fuego. Yeah, totally in fire. We should have talked about him earlier, actually. I mean, what is his price? He is, is he 6.5? He is 6 million. Brandon, you could just upgrade Bobby Reed to Iniacho right now. I, <sighs> he Nacho. I, I have a hard time saying his name. I've heard him say a lot it's, of names. It's not one. It's not a name built for Americans. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a, not a wonderful my, not name. My, all the same. Not my bad palate, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a tricky one. I mean, it is still a season opener at. I mean, Leicester had the season opener last season against Arsenal, and Craig Shakespeare managed to completely blow his tactics in the last ten minutes of the game. I think where they were they were up leading after a couple of goals from Vardy. God, can't um, you just see him scoring in this first game? And then they have Wolves and Southampton in their next two. And he's just like, he like goes up like 0.4 in price, you know, within two weeks. The so, Nacho? Yeah. I definitely see that happening. Yeah. Stop talking. You're just going to get the wheels turning. I, <laughs> I, I, he's he's yet to really do it in a regular season situation for Leicester. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, all right. the, yeah, it's this, yeah. This game is just scary FPL wise for me. It's a little scary. It, it, yeah, it gives me a little. I don't. I don't know that I see a clean sheet for Man United here. I really don't know what to expect of this game. I agree. I do see Alexis Sanchez scoring. To be totally honest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like him as as the kind of premier non Sala captain option. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe up there with Sergio Aguero, um, even away to Arsenal. Um, so yeah, so we'll see about Man United Leicester. Then we've got. What, six fixtures on on Saturday. It's a it's a full full slate, Brandon. We've got Newcastle Spurs. Uh, then we, the ten o'clock. It's like a bunch of kind of mediocre games, to be totally honest. Yeah. Uh, Bournemouth, Cardiff, Fulham Palace, Huddersfield, Chelsea, and Watford Brighton. 
Uh, that is just a strange mix of Saturday fixtures. Watford Brighton basically says it all, doesn't it? It's, um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> uh, it's like you're watching the Olympics or something like that. That's how, how emotionally invested I'll be in that match. Uh, <laughs> Newcastle Spurs, despite uh, what we said earlier about Newcastle, will be kind of a, an interesting one to watch. Sure, DeAndre sure. Yedlin will have a point to prove against his old mm, team. For sure. You know he'll score. They always score against their old <laughs> teams, Josh. Uh, uh, okay, Bournemouth, so you're you're basically banking on Josh King coming away with at least a goal against Cardiff. If he doesn't get a double hat trick, six goals, I'm going to be <laughs> devastated. <laughs> Fulham Palace, London Derby. Uh, I do fear for Fulham in this match. Um, I think they've made a lot of great signings over the summer. Elfie Mawson shoring up that central defense. But Palace, they'll be ready. They're a tough team. Just um, want these, I, I want these these Fulham matches to actually start so you can stop being so negative about them and start actually rooting for it's them true. a bit. Yeah, it's the ultimate uh, uh, fan pessimism, right? Like, yeah. it, um, if you if you say it's going to be bad, then you won't be you won't truly be <laughs> disappointed. Yeah, it usually goes the other way. Actually, it's usually fan optimism. Um, yeah. Huddersfield Chelsea. I, I honestly would not be surprised if Huddersfield won that match. Um, yeah. you know, it's, I, I, I mean, maybe it's a, maybe it's a one, one, maybe it's a one nil Chelsea one. I don't know. I don't feel like, I don't feel like Chelsea's just going to roll in that match though. Sorry, cut a interesting figure on the sidelines at the charity shield. He was wearing that like oversized short sleeve Henley. He looked like a grandpa that had been tasked with babysitting the grandkids <laughs> for the weekend. Yeah. He was like, well, this is a lot of work. It's bloody hot outside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I can see that look carrying through to this Huddersfield match. Uh, Watford Brighton. Um, let's let's just skip that one. Uh, Wolves Everton is the final match on Saturday. Um, really interesting match here. Really I interesting think. match. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I see a Wolves win here. I'm really interested to see how this Wolves team fits together. Yeah, yes. basically just becoming a, a strictly Portuguese side. Yeah, um, it's very unusual. <laughs> I do wonder if they're just going too far in one direction. For it to, to for it to really work for them and Everton, that direction being them, uh, west <laughs> of Spain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everton at least have some sort of Premier League pedigree with their players. It's, you know, it's really not worked I mean, the last year. last year. Yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, I, maybe I'm talking out of my out of my backside saying this, but um, I give Everton a pretty good chance of of winning this match. I honestly, I feel like this is a very hard one to predict. Not that anyone cares what our predictions are anyway, but I, <laughs> I see goals in this game. I see goals on yeah. both sides. Um, I'm right. really interested in how, uh, you know, like they're like, it's weird because the, you know, the wingback uh, formation, which was so in vogue just like two seasons ago, like now it's like, it's starting to, it's kind of going away. It was like, it was only in vogue for like a season and a half, you know, and, uh, but Wolves play that formation. And so I'm really curious to see, uh, you know, Matt Doherty in particular, I've got in my squad right now is, um, you know, I think he had four goals and five assists last season. So, do you think uh, he'll play him against in this game week one? Um, no, I don't think I'll play him in this match. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I do. I do think Everton will will score, but uh, he might be first on my bench. Uh, so yeah, maybe like I see those this, points will look so awesome on your bench. They will you're look gonna, awesome. You're gonna love it when yeah. he's got like tw- a twelve pointer. On yeah, the bench. I, two one Wolves would be like my if I if gun to my head my prediction. All right, Sunday, it's the big one. Liverpool, West Ham, uh, probably the number one captaincy fixture with Mo Salah. Mm-hmm. 
West Ham bought well in the attack. Uh, they brought in Diop in defense and but, Fabianski. Yeah. Does, does it give you any great faith that Liverpool aren't still going to score four or five goals against them? Yeah. What is the minimum number of goals that you think Liverpool score in this match? Minimum number. Two, two, two is the minimum. I, I think me. three is the minimum. I, I cannot see them scoring less than three. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I think I have I have a certain level of optimism for West Ham. Um, that's it's giving them a certain uh, amount of credit, and it's giving Pellegrini a certain amount of credit. Uh, but yeah, this is just a tough one for the new project to start off with. Yeah, away at Anfield. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, let's let's give them. It's just a tough start for them in general. I mean, we, we may not really know how good this West Ham team is until game week twenty or something like that. Uh, seems like, this seems like a long time away. Maybe like game week fifteen. Let's, let's yeah. Tw- as soon as the dust, as soon as the dust settles from the festive fixtures, <laughs> then we'll finally have it have it nailed. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we'll know what everybody else knows. Uh, Southampton, Burnley. After that, uh, still there's still a chance of a Southampton defender crawling his way into my team. Don't do it. Southampton are complete rubbish. Yeah, I I was really into Chris Wood, but now now that he's got this injury, I'm I, I'm not as I'm not feeling that as much. I do like Chris Wood a lot as an option long term. I now I'm just a little concerned he's not going to actually start this first week. Hey, uh, Sam I, Vokes is still kicking around 5.5 yeah, at Burnley. True. Get on the Volkswagen. Yeah, and uh they have a, they have another two-legged um Europa League qualifier to come to, which is insane. Like it's the hoops they've got to jump through just to play <laughs> in the Europa League is insane. Just just to blow up their season. Yeah. And then the final match is uh, Arsenal Man City. There it is. Yeah. I, th- I feel like this for me, I have to look beyond this match because I'm obviously very thrilled by Manchester City assets. And as I've said throughout this pod, I'm really interested in Arsenal. So you could have six um, players in this game. I mean, I could have. Yes, I could have a lot of players canceling them, canceling themselves out. Uh, I am planning to right now on my bus team, Socrates is first on the bench. So I am scared enough of what City sure. will do attacking wise. But that's one that I a transfer that I, I want to have um, up. I want to have ready for game week two and three. Uh, and I don't want to have to make it going into game week two. No, that so, makes sense. Socrates yeah, that makes sense. Uh, all right, Brandon. Well, I am really excited. I'm glad that it's finally here. Uh, we'll be really active on, on social media all this week. Um, you know, if anything crazy breaks uh, on Thursday, maybe we'll do like an emergency podcast or something like that. But I, I, I think this is I think this is our preview, and then we'll be back on a, you know, after this podcast, we're we'll back on a normal rotation um, every every Sunday night, uh, maybe every Monday night if there's a big Monday fixture. Um, and uh, I'm just so excited for the season to start, man. I, I love. I, I kind of wish there wasn't a Friday game because I love I love the anticipation of the opening night of the season. You know, Friday night you're mm-hmm. still tinkering. Yeah, uh, me too. But in some ways, it's like it just like forces you just to be done. You know, it'll be. I'm actually taking Friday off because I'm you know as an American, I'd have to. I would actually miss this match, and so I uh, I'm just taking the taking as a day, uh, just so I can watch this game. Yeah, I've got a half day at work too, so I'll be out of the office ready for the 3 p.m. kickoff here on the East Coast. So we got to go Black Horse, right? Do it the the old way. The old way, always cheating headquarters, the Black Horse Pub. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks for uh, listening to the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast and get access to special leagues and T-shirts and buttons and private head-to-head leagues and all kinds of other stuff, uh, and our Slack channel where we have uh, Rate by Team threads and uh, – 
great preseason thread, captain threads, things like that. Uh, then go to patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, you can also find links to it on social media and on our website, lots of other places too. I uh, want to thank all of the producers of the podcast, Brandon. That's Mike DePietro, Stephen Toomey, Sam Streak, Jacob Roberts, Nick Costello, Carl Rasmus Laney Granley, Chris Howell, Rafi Khan, Rafi Khan? Maybe it's Rafi. We should ask him about that. Hit uh, us up, Rafi. Yeah. Let us know. Uh, Martin Savage and Rick Brailsford. Thank you to all of you. Don't forget to subscribe to Always Cheating on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Acast, TuneIn, PocketCast, wherever it is that you get your podcast. And if you'd be so kind, it costs you nothing and it helps us a great deal. Just give us a five-star review or write a quick something on iTunes or wherever you, it is that you pick the show up. Give us a follow on Twitter at Hail Cheaters, Facebook.com slash Always Cheating. Send us an email with your lengthy, uh, robust missives, HailCheaters at gmail.com. All this information is available at your fingertips at alwayscheating.com. And, yeah, one more plug for the Super League. Don't forget to join our free big mini league, the Always Cheating Super League. All the links are here in the show notes and, yeah. and all those places we just mentioned. And let's give a, let's give a T-shirt to the winner of Super League, Brandon. How does that sound? Oh, cool. One yeah. more one more print job for the production team. <laughs> That's right. You win, the, you win the Super League, you're getting a T-shirt. Awesome. Yeah, a T-shirt designed to follow. So um, it's we'll going to be awesome, though. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, good luck, everybody. I can't wait to, uh, to talk about actual results the next time that we pod. Uh, really excited about it. Really excited about the season to start. It feels like – I love that there's not a template, Brandon. I think you'd agree with mm-hmm. me on that. There's really I, – I, I totally open. do. As, as we mentioned, there's just so many exciting players out there, old and new to the league, and it's shaping yeah. up to be – a pretty epic season. I hope yeah. I'm not disappointed. I mean, you and I are going to end up having like virtually this. The problem is on this podcast, you and I spend the entire podcast trying to convince each other of these players. And so there's, there is like a, we end up having like the same team virtually, but uh, yeah. it feels like in right. general, every time I've seen it's all over the place, all kinds of different formations. It's fantastic. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. Good luck to everyone this season. I hope it's a good one. And thanks for hanging with us here at always cheating. That's right. We'll see you next week. Poku forever. Hail and Bacani. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.